Blog Talk Radio. Just listening to the show. So, uh, 
Anyway, uh, uh, again, welcome to the show. So I'm going to start off by reading this month's column. Now, uh, before I read the column, uh, in case you have not read it already, um, you know, uh, this column was actually written almost 10 years ago. I've actually been doing the column for uh, uh, over over a decade, um, really now we're going on 12 years, uh, radio show for about five years now, five or six years. So um, this was a column written back in, uh, I believe, in 2006. Yeah, so it's actually about events and things that happened in in 2005, late 2005. So uh, again, let me read the column to you, and then we'll talk a little bit more about this. So this month's column is called Don't Fear the Reaper. Uh, That is why I played that introduction from the Blue Oyster Cult song. I'd love to have played that entire song, by the way. Uh, It's just a beautiful song, uh, really, really well done, but legally I I can't. (laughs) You know what I mean? So uh, anyway, so this month's column is called Don't Fear the Reaper. Someone in the karaoke bar sang an old Blue Oyster Cult song called Don't Fear the Reaper. Two days before, my 16-year-old cat died. I was impressed that someone tackled such a complicated song. It was fitting that I heard this, because for weeks I'd been telling my cat it was okay to let go of his body and his time with me. I would miss him, but his time here had come to an end. He was almost 16 years old. As I left the bar, the song ran through my head while driving the next day. I heard it on the radio. Seasons don't fear the reaper, nor do the winds, the sun, and the rain. We can be like they are. Come on, baby. A lot of people struggle with the idea of death. I guess I'm strange because I have no fear of it. I remembered living other lifetimes when I was a child. It wasn't until I got older that religion, in my case Catholicism, and society's beliefs had me questioning the validity of my memories. I had seen pets die when I was a child. While it made me sad to lose them, it was clear to me that the death of these pets marked a certain period of our lives important segments of life often came to an end around the same time as our pets did. From a purely practical point of view, dogs and cats live an average of only 15 years. It was also obvious to me that the sadness people felt was more about missing them than that poor Fluffy is dead. The deaths are unavoidable realities. They go back to the other world, the place we and our pets live in before we become physical, and return to when we go. I believe that this is just a as wonderful a place to be when we pass from this plane into the next. The difficulties I experienced with my alien cat were more about how I should handle the situation. My instinct told me to just let him die naturally. The year before he passed, he became, uh, began to vomit often. Many, many people suggested I take him to the doctor. I followed this advice, and about $400 later, I was told there was nothing wrong with him. He was more or less just an old cat. I was given medicine that he would have to have shoved down his throat, literally. It was to be administered four times a day. Uh, this was more of a pain in the ass than cleaning up the vomit. In addition, I was told I would probably only work temporarily. There is to reconfirm my decision in this life to avoid most practices of Western medicine. To me, more often than not, they're expensive and either don't work or just provide a temporary masking of the problems rather than solve them. It got difficult to the end of Monty's lifetime. The vomiting came more frequently, and I had to be careful in the mornings because sometimes as I was gradually waking up or heading to the bathroom, I might step on a pile of cat puke. Eventually, he began to eat less. 
On a number of occasions, he missed the litter box. He got weaker and lost weight. He also became very clingy and would want to crawl into my lap every time I sat on the couch or between my legs when I slept. I began to feel smothered. I have clients, friends, family who take care of ailing husbands, wives, parents, or work as nurse, nurses attending to the sick. I knew people who found fulfillment by helping out animals who were sick and disabled. I have respect for these brave, caring individuals who do what I am not cut out to do. I found myself torn between feeling honored to help my companion during this last few weeks here in this world and getting annoyed at how long it was taking him to pass. His illness and his neediness were exhausting at times. To top it all off, he began to smell toward the end. He didn't have the strength to clean himself. The vet had suggestions about what I should do. Many of my friends had suggestions about what I should do. Quote, you should just put him down. You should feed him with a baby bottle. You should take him back to the doctor. My ex, Monty's original owner, wanted to take him home for his last few weeks. I began to get irritable. I knew that it was simply verbalizing my own internal confusion about handling this matter, so I borrowed a shovel from my brother-in-law and prepared for the inevitable when Monty stopped eating. He crawled into small spaces and slept a lot more than usual. I knew the end was close. I was more than ready for it. A few weeks before his death, I had gone to bed, and Monty and his sister, a three-year-old cat I took in a year and a half before this, were asleep on the bed with me. The younger girl cat jumped off the bed, and I heard her moaning in the other room. I left the front door open a crack so the cats could get out at night if they wanted to. And a cat from the neighborhood had snuck in and was eating their food. I went into the living room to see what was going on. The cat saw me and ran out the back door, sliding glass doors, in terror. My female cat, who's named Chi-Chi, dove after it and dug her claws into the intruder's back. The cat was so afraid that it jumped off the balcony of my upstairs condominium. I saw it walking off, so thankfully it made the jump without major harm. Chi-Chi was proud of her accomplishment. Monty slept through the entire incident. He had always been the aggressor and the protector. It was not her role. Now she had taken over. He had passed the torch. I knew this was another sign that he would soon pass. I lavished affection on both of them that night. Her for her bravery and Monty because they knew the opportunity to do so was coming to an end. I'd been out all day and returned home to find Monty crying in my office. He was clearly in pain. He had lost control of his bowels and was having difficulty walking. He was almost ready to go. One of my closest friends came by and was a great help by being there for me. Monty struggled to get down the stairs of my apartment to go outside. It was almost sunset. He sat outside and watched the birds and sat in the cool grass for the very last time in his current body. When I went outside to check on him, he had let out another cry of pain. I finally decided to listen to some of my friends' advice. I made the phone call to the vet. They were kind enough to let me bring him in to be euthanized. It was not what I would have ideally chosen, yet I knew he was in pain. Even if he only lived for a few more hours, he was suffering. I couldn't risk this going on for hours or days. It was clear to me why in farms and in movies and television they shoot an animal who is fatally wounded irreversibly and going to die. 
It's an act of kindness. I prepared to take him to the vet. Without hesitation, Monty stepped into the cat carrier I placed in front of him, which was something he would never normally do. The vet and his assistant were kind. They stayed with him as they put him down. I was strong during the process. They told me I could stay with him as long as he needed to say my goodbyes. As he slipped away, all my strength and detachment was gone, and I sobbed uncontrollably. I love this cat. I was not only letting go of him, but a huge part of my life, too. I knew one important chapter was ending, and in time another would begin. In that moment, I realized that everyone's suggestions on how I handled this, or didn't share my perspective, were trying to help. There was no need for judgments about what was right or wrong and the way to handle illness and death. The power of this inevitable major passage went far beyond such simple concepts. I silently thanked everyone for their assistance. I felt connected to humanity and every person who lost someone, human or animal, that they loved. I dreaded watching Monty die, yet while it was happening, I felt completely different. Watching my cat pass was both painful and beautiful. I wouldn't have missed it for the world. December 2005 was when this column was written. And, you know, it's interesting to see, you know, even as I'm reading it, you know, I could feel, um, you know, all those emotions kind of surfacing again uh, around that. And, again, that was was 10 years ago when I let that cat go. You know, it's cute because I send the column out now, and I've got about um, 1,500, 1,600 people now on my mailing list who get my monthly column and newsletter. And, uh, and and you know, the interesting thing about all of this is I, I guess they hadn't really caught that it was a repeat column. You know, at this point in the game, um, I've got over 100 columns that I've written over the years. So, you know, about every other month I do kind of an old column, um, which is great that I have the ability to do that now because a lot of times people have never heard those columns. You know, some people have only been on my mailing list for a year or two. I've got some people on my mailing list for... Uh, for, you know, 10 years now, 12 years now. Um, but, you know, it's true because I got a number of condolence kind of um, comments and, you know, and how, how they hope I was okay. And so it was very sweet. But, again, it was a story from, from 10 years ago, the cat I have now, that is talked about in this piece as well, too, named Chi Now she's about, uh, you know, 13 or 14, uh, although she doesn't need to be sick at all. I think she might live a bit longer. Um She's alive and alive and well. So, you know, I, I, I will experience that within the next few years realistically, uh, but um, you know, not something that I, I have to be concerned about now. But I did appreciate those thoughtful kind of comments. And, you know, it's interesting when people die because when people die and animals die, um, a lot of times it's a very uncomfortable subject for people. I've had clients who've told me that when they lost a relative or a spouse or a child or or uh, even pets, or you know anything that you love and care about um, uh, in this world that matters to you. Um, sometimes people don't know how to act. They don't know how to handle that. They don't know what to say. Um, so they may even avoid the person, or you know, I mean, just kind of not know what to do with that. So I, I think we have to be understanding of that. Sometimes people don't know how to handle um, that type of thing. You know, what is the right way to handle it? Uh, you know what I mean? I think that that's very uh, significant. It's not always an easy thing to to be able to do. Um, 
But uh, again, again, a lot of nice, very thoughtful kind of messages from people. But again, this is, you know, I, you know, I remember the emotion behind this because it was really, really significant. You know, and at the time, um, you know, when 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 I when I walked into my office and I saw how Monty was falling apart, um, I remember I pulled a rune stone. And it came up, a rune called Nothez. The runes are a Viking oracle, by the way. I use them in, in sessions when I work with clients. Um, they're kind of a navigational aid, really awesome. Um, the rune I pulled was uh, called Nothez, and it means pain, uh, uh, limitation, um, uh, suffering in general. So, uh, and, you know, when, when I read that, and then began to consider what I needed to do, uh, it was really poignant uh, in that way, that recognition of sometimes we have to go through those types of things, and it's really an issue of how we look at it. And I, I kind of summarize that at the end, summarize that at the end of the, the piece, that it was a difficult thing to go through this, but it was also beautiful. I mean, I think that that's why we're alive. You know what I mean? We, we, we have to recognize on a practical level that, you know, our lifespans may go to 90, 100 years, you know, people average 80, 90, you know. And animals, again, we're looking at 15. So they don't live quite as long. And, um, you know, it makes me think about a quote I saw on Facebook uh, a couple of months ago. Uh, someone had, uh, someone was explaining to a, um, uh, someone was explaining to a, 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 a six-year-old child about why they had to put down their dog. I don't remember what the reasons were, but there was a very valid reason they had to put their dog down. And the mother tried to, mother and father tried to console the child. And uh, but the kid wasn't as upset as they thought about putting the dog down. He was sad, but he said, "Well, mommy, you know, I understand that dogs and cats don't have to live as long as humans because um, humans take a long time to learn how to love. Dogs and cats, they just." You know, they, they do that automatically. And I thought, oh, that's unbelievably awesome. You know, that's amazing. That's a little old soul child perception there in that respect. But that's very true. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, again, it, 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 it was interesting to, to replay this. I, I had noticed a lot of uh, people on Facebook and, um, and, and through social media that had gone through losing uh, a pet or a relative, and I thought, you know, I feel like some of this is coming. I think I should rerun this column. You know, and on the other hand, what I also find very interesting about life is, you know, I've never been a very pushy kind of a salesperson. Uh, with the work that I do, with the writing that I do, you know, if people come upon it, I make sure it's available. I'm not that aggressive about my marketing Um Somewhat, I was an advertising and, and marketing major. Well, not marketing, but you know, a little somewhat in college. So I have a little bit of knowledge around those subjects, and I'm a pretty smart dude. I know how to market, but I'm not very heavy-handed about it. But you know, it's a shame, I guess, in some ways, that I'm not as aggressive because I did. I saw a lot of people posting stuff about loss, and and I, you know, I almost want to. I want to just send them a link to my column. But they don't, um, you know, again, I feel like that may be overstepping a boundary. I'm not sure what their religious beliefs are, whether they're going to understand that. You know, I, I, would, I would ask and suggest to the people that do follow my column, my radio show, follow me on Facebook, things of that nature, that you, you know, you, 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 you're allowed to send my stuff to other people. That doesn't bother me. I want people to do that. And, and you know, and this is, again, it's a very soothing piece. That's what I had gotten from quite a few people who had written me, they, they said that. They said, you really captured 
emotion and the feeling of this in such a profound way. And that's very complimentary to me as a writer because I, I, I do believe I did. This was a good piece. This was really something that came from the heart when I wrote it. So I do. I want to reach more people in that sense. Not, it's not a financial thing. You know what I mean? I, I make good money. I make a comfortable living. It's not my goal. It's to, you know, I, I see this all the time where people could be helped by the, by the books I've read, written or by a session with me or just reading something, a column that I've written. You know, and there's not that much I can do about that. And that's such, again, and, and that, I think that's particularly because a lot of people really struggle a lot with um, different elements of of uh, religion and, and other philosophical uh, perspectives um, that, that sometimes can be helpful and sometimes can be blocking. Um, I just had a, I was talking to someone the other day that made me laugh because he, uh, he was a Scorpio and he had said to me, um, when I had, was talking to him about what I did for a living, he said to me, well, I'm not really sure I really actually believe in astrology. And I was like, um, which, by the way, the positive pole of Scorpio in its expression is I desire, and its negative is I'm suspicious. So it's like he was kind of, you know, kind of telling me that he didn't really know at some levels um, whether he really bought what I was doing, and, you know, as if I give a shit. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? My perspective on that is the same. Astrology is going to operate whether you're conscious of it or not. It's going to work. It's going to be an effect and an influence. You don't have to check it out. You can just ignore it. There's a lot of things that you don't have to necessarily learn or know about in life in order to move through a lifetime. I mean, but you're not believing in it. ain't going to change your one iota. I, don't, I mean, it doesn't matter to me. I don't have to tell anybody that heavily. But, you know, he's a really smart kid, but you could tell that he was very much um, influenced a lot by a lot of very heavy kind of religious programming. He's a young, uh, gay, uh, 28-year-old man. And um, his mother still isn't comfortable with his sexuality. She's very religious and all this other jazz that is hard to believe even goes on in this day and age. So silly. But, uh, you know, but you could tell, like I said, he had certain, you know, you know, difficulty with religion. And another part of him, of course, was clinging to an element of it to please his mother and, and other elements as well. So, and, you know, in no way am I attacking religion here. Because I think that... Um, you know, they're uh, believing in the idea of heaven and things of that nature uh, can really have a value. Um, I don't see death the same way as some type of simplistic idea of heaven and hell. Um, I think we live many lifetimes. I think we, our souls are very adventurous. We live in other places, in other worlds. I think we experience, um, I think our souls are multifaceted in what we experience, and this is one of many lifetimes and experiences that we have that we're focused on um, at, at this point in the game. So I think the idea of heaven at least sort of ensures the idea of, um, uh, you know, an afterlife uh, in that respect. Um, so I think that's a positive. I think on the negative side, there's sort of that contrast between heaven and hell. So if there he there's a heaven, there obviously must be a hell in that respect, that type of a logic. And I don't really think there's a hell. I, you know, I, I never really bought it when I was raised uh, in Catholic school and I went to Catholic school and all that. I never really bought it. It just didn't make sense to me. It seems sort of silly um, that there was an, an eternal place one would be burning, so to speak. You know, the other thing that was interesting, and I think the Catholic Church has changed its position on this, but when I was a kid, and this was a quandary for my mother, because she was a very devout Catholic woman, and um, my mother loved animals. Uh, the joke in my family was that my mother may have loved animals more than she loved us, and there probably is some truth to that. 
And if you ask her, she say, well, at least they're nice to me. <laughs> so, so that was funny. She was right. My sisters were kind of bitches to my mother. Uh, my mother was a little bit of a bitch, too, so I think that was sort of balanced. Uh, but, um, but you know, the funny thing is part of uh, Catholic uh, doctrine or belief is that animals don't have souls. So this was definitely a quandary for my mother because her religion taught her that animal didn't have a soul. So it wasn't going to go to heaven. If you don't have a soul, you can't go to heaven. But I believe the church has changed its stance on that. Certainly uh, this new pope has done remarkable things with Catholicism in the last year or two. But uh, I believe they now somehow accept that as some type of an idea. Uh, oh, a tremendous breakthrough, by the way. I'm being a little facetious there. Uh, but uh, but I know that was a quandary that my mother went through, wanted to cling to her religion, but, you know, another level of being told they didn't have souls. You know, and the truth is, uh, of course they do. Uh, you know, animals live multiple lifetimes, go through reincarnation experiences as well, too. They're part of a larger soul, like we all are. In that way, it's just a different type of a soul. It's much more, uh, dogs and cats are, uh, it's more like a hive soul type of a disposition. They're not that far removed. Um, from our experience in that way, but in somewhat of a different um, a, a different perspective, which I won't get into in this particular show, but easily could. Um, but uh, okay, so let me let me bring back, bring myself back around to staying on on target here with our subject. Uh, I guess my callers have given up. Uh, my apologies, guys. Who trying to everyone who's trying to call? <laughs> I really do. I would really love to uh, to. Uh, to answer your calls, but I, I, I only have a 45-minute show, and usually the when we do this show, uh, subject matter and getting into a lot of this material takes time, so I can't really carve out the time for the little mini uh, readings. I would love if uh, people called in and wanted to, to uh, ask questions about this subject. Uh, that would not be a problem for me at any level, but again, I don't seem to get too much of that. I think that a lot of people are kind of hunting for the uh, for the many readings, and then there's nothing wrong with that, just not um, what our focus is in the show. Okay, so let's go back over a couple of the points here in the piece that we can discuss. Um, you know, I had talked about how I very much think that the death of a pet um, can very much mark a certain end of a period of our life in some respects. I think there are deeper meanings behind all events. Um, and, uh, you know, I know... When it came to my the cat that had passed that I wrote about this piece was named Monty. The current cat is named Chichi. Chichi's alive and well. So uh, again, no uh, condolence uh, letters or anything like that. She's fine. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, the thing that was interesting about my experience with Monty was Monty was uh, he was not originally my cat. I had dated someone for about three years, and when we started to date. Um, uh, he had uh, a cat that he had had for a number of years. So uh, the interesting part of the story is, uh, Monty, I was allergic to cats um, severely up until about the age of 30. But when I got involved in this relationship, my partner had a uh, cat. So I had to deal with that when I'd go over there, and it was very stressful for me. And after a while, I began to build up an immunity to Monty's cat hair. Um, I, it was not easy in the beginning. I can't even stress this enough. I remember um, having to have the windows open when I'd sleep over with the cat hair. I mean, oh, God, it, it was hard. It was really rough on my, on my sinuses. It was not easy. But um, 
so uh, we dated for two years, and then we moved in and lived together for about a year. And, and when we broke up, and this was largely his decision, um, he decided I should keep Monty because I worked at home. Uh, Monty had grown very close to me in that sense. I, you know, I have the, you know, people come into my home office and they often comment on my plants and things of that nature that I, that I have such a green, I have a, uh, what is it? I can't think of the expression. Is a, I was going to say a green touch. That's not the right expression. I have a green thumb. It's a green thumb. Uh, I'm really good with plants and animals and things like that. I'm really good. They tend to thrive around me. Uh, they have Taurus rising. Maybe that's part of it. Uh, a lot of Virgo, too, on my chart. Um, but, uh, you know, it made more sense for me to take him. So that was the interesting thing is I had the cat for half his life and, and my ex had him for half his life. So we had long broken up. The relationship was long done. And, and I had mentioned this in the piece. Um, when Monty started getting old and he started getting very, very sick, my ex wanted to take him back and was willing to for the last couple of weeks of Monty's life. And, and I was having no part of that. I appreciated the, the thoughtfulness of being willing to do that, and I think in a very real way he would have liked to have been able to have that, that happen. And that, that was an awesome element. He was a very caring person. Uh, all our problems aside, very good, caring person in that way. But, um, nah, that would have been traumatic for the cat. I, I needed to have, He needed to be with me for the passing. That, that's where he needed to be. That's who he was, you know, connected with. Um, you know, he... Uh, you know, I think when it comes to dogs, especially dogs, but also with cats, they will cling to one primary owner. They can love multiple people in a family, but usually one person is going to be their master, so to speak, the one that they're most attached to. And Monty, my position with him for the last seven, eight years of his life was that position. So it would have been cruel to have done that, and it wouldn't have worked. But again, still appreciate it. Uh, but yeah, that was kind of the, the thought there. Um, but, you know, again, and I, I had gotten so many bits of advice from everybody about what I should do and what was the right thing. But, again, I knew in my heart, as painful as it was going to be, that he needed to be here for that passing, and I did need to go through it. Although, and I kind of made some reference to this in, in this piece, believe me, there were times I just didn't want to deal with it. It was tough, um, the vomiting and uh uh, the uh, just the smell and the, oh God, I mean, it, the vomiting was relentless. I mean, he just couldn't hold down food. Uh, I just was cleaning up vomit all the time. I'd wash the bed um, sheets and then put them all back, and then six hours later, there'd be vomit on it again. I mean, this was relentless. That's why I had said that in the piece that you know, people who can care for others in that way, and animals and humans, that's an awesome thing. You know, uh, nurses and, and, and people that are willing to do that, uh, kudos for the ability to do it. Not really good with stuff like that with me. I'm not a cleaning up vomit, blood. I'm just, it's not, not, I can do it if I have to, but I don't like it. It's not my uh, not my, my, my forte. Even when dealing with people, um, I can handle a lot of emotion. Sometimes clients get very upset emotionally. They say, I'm, I'm fine with that. But, like, I'm really more, I work more intellectually, I think, and verbally with people than being really huggy and, and, and you know what I mean, in that way. It's not really my thing. Same thing with, like I said, caretaking. Um, you know, uh, it's just not really my, my forte. So, again, a lot of credit to the people that are able to do that. But, yeah, I, there were times when I just was sick of it. You know what I mean? Like, it was like, um, you know, that little party that was like, just die already. 
you know, and I, I mention that because it, you know, it sounds harsh, but one of the things that I, I think is very important for, for us as human beings to recognize is, listen, there are times we have dark thoughts. Um, you know, the, the joke I often have with a lot of clients, even like when, when clients are married or in a relationship, I'll often jokingly say, if you only want to strangle your mate 20% of the time, that's a good marriage. And they laugh, but I say that because I think that we always have to understand as human beings that it's okay to have a dark thought. We do. Um, to me, that is the realm of Scorpio. That is the realm of the eighth house astrologically uh, as well. Um, it's a part of us to think that way. Now, having a dark thought doesn't mean that you are acting on that or you're going to do it. You can be happily married, in love with your wife, or your husband, or your partner, and, you know, if some gorgeous, celebrity, amazing, hot, unbelievable thing hits on you and a part of you thinks about packing your bags and going, you know, hopefully you don't do it. But, you know, if it runs through your mind, you haven't committed a sin in that way. You're a human being. So when I thought about, you know, when is this cat going to die almost, um, I did. I, I felt those pains of feeling bad when that ran through my head. But, you know, I don't beat myself up at the way other human beings do, I think, for such things. I, I recognize as a person this was very trying, um, and I'm not really cut out for it. So um, I, I forgave myself. I understood where that was coming from. But no, I didn't want him to really die. I just thought about it from time to time. So, um, but so you know, and, and that was the thing. Even when he, uh, you know, looking back on the process, it was really, really painful, but it was something I needed to go through. It was a part of his experience and a part of his life. Um, and I was a part of that, too. Bringing it back to the point that I left from a while ago, uh, Sagittarian's head, which we can go from place to place to place and eventually get back to the original starting point, about the marking of a segment or a period in our life. So Monty's passing really had to do with me letting go of, of fully letting go of that relationship with with my ex, his original owner. Um, it was already gone, but you know what I mean? It really was put to rest at a deeper level. That type of person, that type of me being drawn to that type of individual really had come to an end. Um, and it, it did come to an end with Monty's passing. And I remember that too when I lost childhood pets, that there was something significant about the time period um, of, of when, uh, you know, a pet passed. Um, when I was, I think I was about 11 or 12, maybe 13, um, we, had, uh, we had a dog. We had a big, fat, uh, uh, half, I don't know if I'm repeating stories sometimes. I may have told this in another show. But um, we had a big, fat, basset hound, beagle mix. I think she was mostly basset, but part beagle. And she was a big, fat dog. We loved her. Her name was Tina and uh, our big, fat basset hound. And uh, we had, we, you know, one of our older dogs had died, naturally. And my mother decided it was time to get another dog. So we went to the shelter, pound, to pick up dogs. That's what we always did. We didn't buy dogs. We went to, you know, a shelter and got dogs. Great idea, by the way. And um, we, we, picked, we were going to get a dog, but there were two dogs. And we ended up getting two puppies. Well... The, the scary part of the story is um, the two puppies that we got ended up having what was called a disease called parvo. And one of the puppies died 
of Parvo within a week to two weeks of when we had got her. And she gave Parvo to Tina, our basset hound, and it killed Tina. So we lost two dogs at the same time. The other dog survived and, and ended up living a long life, um, Dusty. Uh, and uh, I laugh just not because of the sadness part of it, because I think when I think of Dusty, I think, again, if, like I think of cute things about Dusty that come into my head as well, too. Uh, so, But it was really a troubling event. But you know what? It marked this this type, it marked the end of my, my child years and, and the movement into my teen years. And that was a very significant cyclical change for me as well, too, in terms of who I was as a person and, and all kinds of things. So that's one of the things I would ask my listeners to contemplate. Look at the loss of a, a pet, an animal, um, or even, again, when we look at the realm of human beings, as an ending of a cycle, an ending of a pattern. And often what you'll find is that the ending is appropriate. Um, it's time for you to transition to into a different area, into a different place in your life, in that sense, in terms of what that animal or human being may represent. Um, we, we do, we get so caught up in the loss part, and, and that's valid. Losing something, a family member, uh, whether a human or animal, um, it, it can be incredibly difficult and can be incredibly pain, painful. But another side of it is, you know, again, when it comes to animals especially, their lifespans are not the same as ours, so we have to be realistic about that. And also, again, even when we look at the loss of a a partner uh, or uh, a family member or, you know, again, sometimes the experiences are absolutely tragic. There's no question. But often if we look inside and, and allow our spiritual selves to speak to us, we will find that there is something in that that also is a reflection of an element of our life that has, has, has also, you know, very purposefully come to an end in that sense as well. Uh, I've mentioned this probably on a previous show, but I'll, I'll reiterate the, the point just because I know uh, a lot of people haven't caught all of my shows. Um, and you can catch all of any of my shows, by the way, and archive at any point. Um, so uh, when I lost my dad about five or six years ago, that was a very troubling experience. It was sad to lose my father. But... What it's, the more difficult part of losing my father, I had a wonderful dad, so it was really sad to lose a wonderful man, but he was very sick, his body was ailing, he was 77, which in, in my Italian side, my father's side of the family was long. Most of his siblings died of the sick. My father lived way longer than most of his brothers, all of his brothers, and sisters for that matter. Um, the, the loss was, there was one thing, uh, the loss of a very good man, someone I could talk to, someone that was a, just a great dad. But it was, my father was always there financially and practically for us. If we were struggling with something financial, needed a loan, needed help with something, needed advice about something, my dad was really good at sharing it. And so when I lost my father, I was grieving for the loss of my father, but I was also grieving for the loss of that sense of security that I had, that, 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 that ability to, to access that. And my dad was always that way. He, you know, if you had a, if, uh, in a financial issue, he'd lend you a grand, and then you paid him back. You paid him a hundred dollars a month. You, you know, if you wanted to pay interest, you could. If you didn't want to, you didn't have to. My dad was good about that. But we all paid it back. We, when, when we did, it was never an issue about that. Proud of that, and we were, you know, mostly proud to do it. Um, but the loss for me was in that security, that security blanket. So when I lost my father it felt like I didn't have that anymore. I didn't have that safety net. I didn't have that backup. 
you know, uh, about a year or so later, um, I'm using this connection out of my head, even as I'm talking about it, I lost, um, I ended up going through a credit card default during the economic crisis of 2008-2009. Uh, I couldn't handle that, and I ended up going through, you know, defaulting on credit. So I lost all of my security nets. Uh, my credit cards, I lost my, my ability to access money for my dad if I needed it. So that was very tough, but what I gained from it is the ability to do that on my own. To not need to pull on a credit card to pay bills or to survive. To not need my father for that. And I've become quite good at that. I don't have any credit cards. I don't use them at all. I will never have them again. Uh, that was the one lesson I got out of dealing with all that crap six years ago. Not even interested in any of it. Um, I pay for things when I have the money. Um, I had the ability to tap into my resources, my ability to be able to handle and to do that. And I've become quite good at it. I don't need my father for that anymore. I miss my father. Uh, but my, when I think of my father, I don't think sad thoughts. I think happy thoughts. I think of the, the good things that were part of, of my dad. The same thing when I think about my uh, my lost cat, Monty, like I wrote about in this piece. I, you know, I, I still, you know, he pops into my head from time to time. You know, uh, you know, I used to just tell him he was a good boy. And I, I even find myself 10 years later sometimes driving thinking, oh, my Monty is a good boy. Either um, I'm still a loving dad at some level, or I'm crazy. <laughs> but uh, probably the latter. Uh, but uh, you know, it doesn't go away. I mean, I miss him. It's my dad. I miss my father. I miss all my childhood pets. I miss people I've lost in this life. But um, I, I'm just happy I got to spend the time with them. I'm happy they were a part of my life. And that's a better perspective to take than moaning about a loss until the end of time. We have to go through a grieving period. Uh, people do that at different levels. There's no right or wrong to it. But if you're still grieving a loss from 10 years ago and, and can't pull it together yet, that's too long. you you got to, I mean, you, you, in that way, we're not really celebrating uh, that person's time with us and releasing them in that respect as well. And I think that's an important thing to realize. Enjoy the time that you have with the people, the animals, and the things that you love and care about. But when they go, be sad, but also know that that, Time has been fulfilled. It is time for other chapters. It's time for other people. It's time for other pets. It's time to open up that. And again, people need their own mourning process. I'm not getting a right or wrong about that, but if you're still suffering over something for too long, usually, again, you're, you're keeping the energy of that person tied to the physical plane, which isn't good, um, and, and you're keeping yourself stuck and, and not allowing new opportunities and new experiences to come your way. Not to replace them but to just add to the fact that we, in a very real way, live very long lives in comparison to a lot of things on the physical plane. Our lifetimes are long. They're pushing toward 100. That's going to become a more common thing within the next 100 years or so. People are going to live to 100. It's a long time. Uh, okay, so um, it looks like we're about of time. We're down to the last minute here. So, um, you know, uh, if anyone's going to want my, my bonuses uh, about any of those things, uh, or you recently did, um, but, but, yeah, remember, focus on, the, on the, the wonderfulness that you had them in that sense and, and, and think, uh, think those good thoughts that way as opposed to getting caught up in, in, in so much sadness in, in that way. Uh, you know, sadness should be a part of who we are, but it should come and it should go. It shouldn't be with us forever. Uh, you know, uh, I've had many, many people. I've been blessed and, and many pets in my life. I, I don't think I've experienced both family members and people the way 
uh, as much as other people have. But I think it's because I don't have that issue. I don't have to learn that in this life. I know that already. I think I just learned it in other lifetimes. I'm, I'm good at handling death. So I hope this piece was a help to anybody that, that followed through and heard it. Again, I would remind my listeners, my clients, listen, if you know someone that's struggling and going through a loss, yes, you can pass my column on. Uh, I'm never going to be that heavy-handed about, about sales, but, you know, the, the the work I do is good. It, it can be useful to other people, you know, and if they don't want it, then that's fine also. You know what I mean? People are going to have their rejections for their own weird reasons at times, too. Okay, so um, I will be back next week. Uh, I will be doing, um, the continuing on the Michael teachings. We're talking about essence. Uh, if you haven't caught that, go back over the shows. They're awesome. We'll continue on the Michael teachings next week. And then I'll be back next month for a column read and an astrology update show. Uh, so thank you for joining me today. Uh, email me at venturesag at yahoo.com if you're not already on my mailing list. And we'll catch everyone next time. Cheers.